You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. Well, good afternoon. It's such an honor to be here. Um, my team and I, we've been in, we, we came here on a mission trip to, to Boise and Treasure Valley. We've been here for, I think, three or four days already. And we have a rest day tomorrow and then we leave on Tuesday. But we've just had such an amazing time. It's been so, so cool. Um, we've been on Boise State campus. We've been at other churches around. We've seen God do beautiful things since we've been here. We've seen healings happen. Um, yeah, just people getting saved. It's just been incredible. It's like, who would have thought we'd go to Idaho for a mission trip, right? <laughs> a, a guy from Africa going to, to America, Idaho for a a mission trip. It should be the other way around, but it's just so cool that we get to be here. Um, I just want to thank AJ and Robin just for opening your doors, and I know Pastor Jordan is not here, but just thank you guys for opening your doors and just being so hospitable, so generous, so welcoming, so loving. We're just so, so grateful. Thank you guys so much. Um, I, I just felt a little something for the church quickly. I'm actually not preaching now. I've got one of my friends are going to preach, but before I hand over to him, I want to just share a little something with you guys. Um, I felt Psalm 133, and I'm going to read the whole thing. It's only three verses. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Where, when brothers dwell in unity, the Lord commands a blessing. Amen. And there's something about this church that just unifies. Like there is a real gift of unity on this church. Amen. It's incredible. I know when we met as a team before we came out here and we, we had a whole evening just dedicated to praying, worshiping, and, and just speaking life over the trip. And the most common theme that came out of that, that time was unity. And, you know, we, we feel like we're a unified group and we have a lot of fun together. But when I walked into this church, I realized, oh, wow, I, I feel like that those words that were released was actually for you guys. Amen. There's something significant. Hearing 20 different churches are coming to the Arise Conference and worship um, being unified with the vineyard, the vineyard church down the road and having the Bethel team here. It's just really cool. There's something on you guys. I really feel like it's going to carry on. Like, there's something on this church that's going to bring unity in this valley, Amen. in Treasure Valley. Yeah, I, I really believe that. And I believe there's a blessing. The Lord's commanding a blessing on this house. Amen. So, yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to welcome up. We don't, I want to give... Um, Eric, he's, he's one of the guys, he's, been, he's on our team, he's been in my revival group this year at BSSM, and he's, he was an associate pastor back in Colorado before he, he came to BSSM, a youth pastor, and he's just such an incredible dad, such a good husband, and he's just become like just such an integral part of our, of our family. Yeah. He's just a really, really good guy, and I think you're going to really love, to he love hearing from him today. Um, would you mind... Welcoming up Eric Nicholson. 
sound like we need to pray. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're here. We thank you for what you're doing in this house. And Lord, I just I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the next three services that you are going to move powerfully, that you are going to touch our lives. And God, I just thank you for Eric, that as he speaks, you anoint his words. I thank you that there's no pressure on him. <laughs> all the pressure's on you, God. So we give it all to you, and we just thank you that you are you're going to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, Dad. That's mine. You can have that. Um, wow. This house loves Jesus. You guys are crazy. I love it. Um, AJ, you're on fire, man. You are, you are straight fire. Watching you is like... If I was in a bad mood, I wasn't anymore if just being around you, watching you worship, man. You are awesome. Um, I got I to give a few shout-outs, and, and I know Peter Haynes was already um, introduced a little bit to you, but th there really aren't words to describe what this man has done in, in all of our lives. I mean, from day one, he has stewarded so well just a, a father's heart and, and the ability to empower with just the subtleness and this quietness and this, I, if I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make up words right now just to describe to you how unbelievable this man of God is. Him and his wife both. Um, they, they teach in even just little interactions with each other, and you're sitting there like, what are they doing? I want to know. <laughs> they're just, they're so amazing. So Peter, I love you. And Lisa, she's not here, but I love her as well. And you guys are just unbelievable. Um, and then this team, this Bethel team, um, my friends, my family, my brothers, my sisters. I literally, I, I haven't preached since I left Colorado in June. And, and it's, it was, it was, it's been a beautiful season stepping off the stage and really just resting. And, and I haven't had a chance to be nervous or concerned or worried at all this entire day or this entire trip because they won't let me. Um, and, and it's not even necessarily intentional. We just love each other so much that we're encouraging each other all day long, nonstop. I mean, right up until the moment I walked up, people kept leaning over like, <laughs> you know, like, I got it. Thank you. I'm encouraged. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah. Um, but it, it's, but that's how, but it's all genuine. It's not fake. And I love them so much. And you are absolutely going to get your, your socks blessed um, when they pray over you and prophesy over you. And, and as you speak to them, they are that amazing. So I love you guys. Um, but uh, uh, I got to tell you a few things real quick just about me. I'm going to give you, like, the highlights of the cliff notes of my life. And, and I want to highlight a few more people that mean the absolute world to me. And one is my wife. Um, she's actually back home with our kids. I have two little kids. And she is the reason I'm, I'm, a, I'm caveat, I am a crier. So I'm just going to warn you up front. There's a few times I'm probably going to tear up. Okay, good, good. Um, I, I, there's one shout out I got to make real quick. Actually, I have Shamaya right here. She's like, oh, great, hi. Um, she loves attention. Uh, but she was actually uh, uh, one of the, our most amazing leaders back in Colorado um, at the church that I pastored at. And she messaged me yesterday. And she's like, hey, did you know that I moved to Boise? And I was like, nah. -uh. And then she came here. So, so it's just small world, really cool. So, yeah. But, uh, I don't know where I was, so I'll just pick up where I think I was. Um, my wife, thank you. I got good help here. This is awesome. My wife is the absolute reason that I am even standing here um, today. And I just want to share a quick testimony 
to you right now because God is, God is up to something. Peter was saying it in this house with unity, but he's always up to something. And so my wife and I came to an Open Heavens conference at Bethel in 2017 with some friends, and we were really struggling with where we were at, and um, we were just tired and beat up and, and worn down, and I thought I was going on a trip just to get some fresh words, you know, get some new perspective, and then go back and, and get on with my d daily grind and, and keep on fighting. And uh, my wife prayed and fasted a week before we went on the trip, and what she told me was, I'm praying and fasting just for the trip. And I'm like, oh, cool, that's great. But my wife is sneaky. Um, and I'm pretty sure God loves her more than me. Um, <laughs> rightfully so. Uh, but anyway, so we're, we go on this trip, and the first little half, the first half of it, we're just vacation. We're in San Francisco, just relaxing. And then we go for the conference, and my wife and my friends go to get food. I stand in line to wait, and this lady walks up to me, gives me a prophetic word about being a missionary. And my wife was dying to be a missionary, and I was like, huh, no, not going to happen. No, there's no way. I'll go on missions, but I'm not going to be a missionary. And this lady gives me a, a word about being a missionary, and the, seriously, the only thought I had was, thank God my wife isn't here, because she would have loved that. <laughs> um, you know, nobody get prophetic words, you're like, yes, Lord Jesus, thank you so much. And I'm like, no. Um, thank you, Jesus. My wife's not here to hear that. Um, but, but God's like, you stubborn. <laughs> um, I've already spoken to your wife, and so now I'm going to speak to you. And three more times over the next three days, four times in total, random people walked up to me at random times. And I'm not kidding you, word for word, word for word, they gave me the exact same word. And, and there was even one time a guy came up and, and told me the prophetic word. And I was like, okay, thanks. And I walked away, and I'm sure he was like, what did I say? And I just went on a walk and cried. And like, part of me was like, God, don't screw with my life. The other part of me was like, God, what are you doing? Because this is not how I saw it playing out. This is not what I thought we were going to do. And my wife was right. <laughs> I got to go tell my wife she was right. <laughs> um, man, you know how hard that is sometimes. But, uh, yeah. I, uh, I changed so fast because I realized I'm either going to have to look God square in the face and tell him no. Or I could say yes. And obviously we know the answer. The answer is yes. And I had no idea what it was going to look like. But I changed so fast. We had just um, about a year before this built our dream home and, and life was going in a good direction and all that stuff. And, and I, I turned to my wife in the middle. I'm like, we're selling everything. We're coming here. And she's like, What? <laughs> that was faster than I was expecting. She goes, okay, I need to tell you, um, I wasn't really praying and fasting for the trip. I sort of lied to you. Um, I was praying and fasting that God would speak to you about becoming a missionary because I know what he's spoken to me, but I refuse to do it without you. That's my wife. And I was like, well, he did, and we're selling everything, and we're moving here, and we're going to come to school, and then we're going to get trained, and then we're going to go do it. And, but then she was like, that was too fast. What's going on? What are we doing? And I'm like, I'm not really sure. We're just selling everything, and we're coming here. Um, and so that's what we did. We sold everything, and we came here, and we got all the crazy looks and all the crazy comments. And people, yeah, that's crazy to do. And you're like, huh? yep. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's, is that financially smart? Nope. <laughs> it's not. You're leaving your friends and your family. And Do you know anybody there? I know Jesus is there, so I hear. <laughs> and that's about all I got. So we're going to run with it. But I got to tell you, um, my dad's not a, a believer and he's, he, 
after this, he got after we told him we were leaving, he got diagnosed with cancer. My mom had a huge MS relapse um, a week right after that. They came back from a trip. I, my mom couldn't walk um, because of the relapse. And my dad, the day they got home, I had to drive him to his cancer appointment to have surgery. And, and my dad's world just got rocked. And the first time, he couldn't pay his way out of it. And for the first time, he wasn't in control. And the first time, he didn't know what to do. And this is the part where I cry. Um, but he started going to church. I think all that rocked his world. And then he saw his son doing the most crazy thing possible in his eyes, the most the unwise thing possible in his eyes. And he just, I, I could tell when I told him, he's like, what do you know? And part of me was like, really not a lot more than I just told you. <laughs> I just know God is good. I just know I have a word. And I got to tell you that he went to church for almost the entirety of 2018. And there's not a price that we can put on that. It's been a 20-year prayer of mine. I was adopted when I was 10, um, and he came into my life when I was 8. It's been a 20-year prayer. And just, just like God, though, right, to, to be doing the craziest thing possible in, in, in your mind and the craziest thing possible to the people around you, and yet, and yet that's the time he fulfills my biggest dream, and that was to go to church with my dad. And so I got to do that right before I moved out here. I had a break in between ending um, being pastors where we were at and, and then moving out to California. And I got to go to church with my dad. Because that's how good God is. Yeah. So I am, I am way off topic. Um, but it's just good and it's God. And you like Jesus and so do I. And so stories are cool. Um, <laughs> Two, two other people that are super important to me in my life um, are my two little kids. They are three and two. And my daughter's the oldest. Her name is Kenley. And my son's name is Zion. And I love them so much. And I gave them necklaces before I came out here. And it says warrior on them. And I said, every time you see it, I need you to pray for daddy and his team. Because God wants to do things. And every time I talk on the phone with my daughter, I can't even like have a conversation with her. Because all she does is show me the necklace and, tell, and say, daddy, I've been praying for you. That's all she does every time. And I'm like, okay, cool. How are you? Daddy, I've been praying for you. Like, I know. I get it. Um, it's like these guys. You know, it's just like, I got it. Next. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, my daughter has been praying for you guys. She's been praying for healing. She's been praying for, um, this is my three-year-old little girl. I love her so stinking much. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm expecting some really, really cool things out of tonight. And I hope that you guys are, too. So I'm going to transition real quick, um, and I'm going to pray to do it because I don't know about you, but I really need Jesus. <laughs> so let me, let me just pray real quick. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Lord, no matter what I say, no matter what I do, no matter, no matter how hard we lift up our hands and dance around, no matter how hard we worship and, and honor you with the guitar and drums and all these different things, no matter what we do, Lord, if, if we don't have you, we will fall short of your glory. Lord, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Come. God, I need you. I need you so desperately. So Lord, we lift this up to you. This is all for you. This isn't for us. This is for you. And we just so happen to get blessed and benefited in the process of it all. But Lord, we love you. So Holy Spirit, come in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I, I have my, my life's passion, one of my, my life um, 
preaches, if you want to call it that, has just been, I just really want to see Jesus get everything he paid for. That, that's, that's what I want in my life. If, if I accomplish nothing, I want my children to love the Lord, and I want him to get everything he paid for in my life. But then it kind of starts to beg the question, what, what is it that he really paid for? What did he really pay for? Because I know a lot of us probably get the whole, he, he, we, we understand what he saved us from. Saved us from hell, saved us from our sin, saved us from our past. And that's good, and I love it, and it's beautiful, and that's certainly a part of it. But I think that there's more. And based on y'all's worship, I'm pretty sure you guys recognize that there's more. So I might just be preaching to the choir, and that's cool. Um, but he saved us to something. It wasn't just from something. It was to something. And, and uh, several years ago, I, was, I had never read the Bible cover to cover. I had probably read it, you know, uh, uh, quite a few times as you skip around, but never cover to cover. So I was on a mission, cover to cover. And I get to Numbers 5, and I won't read it just for the sake of not boring you and confusing you. And um, it's long. But um, I was in Numbers 5. You ever read Scripture, and you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And, and I'm in Numbers 5, and I'm like, all right, Numbers 6, here we go. Come on. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. And, and I was like, I, I'm never going to bring this up because that's the weirdest thing. And then, I, and then I realized I didn't like it, and then I'm trying to justify, like, no, Lord, it's not that I didn't like it. It's just, it's just that I didn't like it. <laughs> um, but Numbers 5, there, there's the law of jealousy in Numbers 5. And what happens if a husband suspects his wife of being unfaithful, he brings him, her before the high priest and, and the high priest is to give her bitter water. And if she's been unfaithful, her body swells. She miscarries and the husband divorces her and she can never return to him. And, and you kind of read it and you're like, what? But then you realize, I don't like that because, well, what if he's unfaithful? You know, where, where does this move on to like the guy? You know, women, come on, where's the women at? Like, what about the guy? What if he's unfaithful? And, and I'm like, I just don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. Bitter water, and she drinks it. But then if, if she's been faithful and she drinks it, she's kept from the curse. Everything is, everybody's happy now because I feel like that's a pretty awkward drive home. You know? <laughs> like, what do you say? Like, good job, honey. You know, I don't know. What do you do at that point? Um, so just super awkward, and that, that's where you just roll the dice on number six and just kind of keep on going. You know, but I had cover to cover on my mind, and so that's where I was going. And, and months later, I find myself in John 19, and then all of a sudden, it's like God didn't make any accidents in the Bible. It's like he knew what he was doing the whole time. <laughs> John 19, uh, Jesus is on the cross, and, and he's dying for our sins. And, and <laughs> Jesus. And he goes, I'm thirsty. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but in that moment, I thought about it. I was like, Jesus, you a lot of things right now. I just don't see thirsty making the list. I mean, you were just beat to a pulp for something you never did. You've been mocked and scorned and made fun of. You're embarrassed. You're, you're, this is a brutal scene. This is not a pretty necklace we wear around our neck. This is, this is an ugly, ugly moment. <laughs> and Jesus, I'm thirsty. I, <laughs> he's thirsty. I would think that that would be the least of his worries at that point in time. I don't know. He said it. He said, I'm thirsty. You know what they gave him? Bitter water. 
gave him bitter water. See, Jesus came not to, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, right? So that's what he's doing right here on the cross. He, he, they gave him bitter water, and I believe that he's taking the test of bitter waters, but only, only the, the only man in all of history, past, present, or future, that was ever able to take the test of bitter water and to be like, hey, I'm faithful. But yet he took it because he didn't just die for you, he died as you. He bore your sins on the cross. He died as you. So that when he took that test, he failed. And he had to be separated. You know, he, he says a bunch of profound things on the cross. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He forgives a man next to him and says, welcome in, into my kingdom. And, and he's, he's, forgive them, Father, because they don't know what they're doing. And then he comes up with this seemingly meaningless term of like, I'm thirsty. But yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing. Because he knew that he came to fulfill the law. And he took the test of bitter water and he failed. And at the end of John 19, or at this portion, it says, that's when it's recorded, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. That's when he said, it, it is finished. So this is what I mean by he, he didn't just save us from something, he saved us, saved us to something. is because he actually died as us. So that we could become his righteousness. But think about that for a moment. Because it's a verse you know that he became, he who had no sin became sin. So that we could become the righteousness of him. And that's beautiful and it's awesome. And we're like, thank you. But you got to think about that for a minute. You got to take a deeper look. Because in Numbers 5, if you and I take that sip, we fail, we're done. That's it. It's over. But I have this, it's, it's not scripturally backed, it's just a fun idea that I have. But I love to just picture all of us joined together, the marriage feast of the lambs, holding up our glass of bitter water, knowing full well what's going to happen. We're good. Take that sip together and be like, cheers. Probably be the best sip we ever take. It's just a fun thought that I have. You know, I, I won't do this here, but I've, I've often talked about um, this idea of what we're saved to. We're saved, to, and we have His righteousness. But that that gets to be a challenging thing. And, and what I've what I've done in the past at times is, you know, how many in the room are saved? And and everybody raises their hands. I'm like, cool, that's great. How many of the room are sinners? And with the same confidence, all the hands go up. And I get just a little bit confused by that. I understand it because I live in reality too. But I'm not a saved sinner. I'm a sinner saved. And there's a big difference when I wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror and I say one of those two sentences. There's a big difference when I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, I'm saved. I'm a sinner, but I'm saved. You know, I'm going to make it in just like, just kind of barely, but I'm, I'll get there. That'll be cool. And it's a lot different when I wake up and I stand in the mirror and I look at myself and I see the beauty and, and the image that he created me. And I start saying things like, man, Whoa, I know what you saved me from, but I know what I'm saved to. And I'm the righteousness of Jesus today when I go to work. I'm the righteousness of Jesus today when I deal with my family and my children and my wife or my husband or, or my extended family or the strangers at the grocery store or the inconvenience of somebody that's asking me for money on the side of the street corner. And I no longer see anything out of my own perspective. And I start realizing, Lord, what do you got for me today? Because I'm your righteousness. And your righteousness cares a lot more than himself. And then I, I ask the question, how many of you have the righteousness of Jesus? And you get the, 
You know, I didn't see anybody else raise their hand. Well, is that a trick question? <laughs> and all of a sudden, our confidence flies out the door. But 1 John 3, 9 says that if God's seed is in me, then I cannot go on sinning. Try that on for size. I told you I'd use that quote. <laughs> Seriously, though, try that on. If God's seed is in you, then you cannot go on sinning. That's challenging. Because I'm like, yeah, but yesterday when I, and I thought the, and I said the, and I, or I did the, it gets challenging, but God's seed is in you, then you cannot go on sinning. I don't get it. It's just what it says. But how do, I, how do I do that? 2 Peter 1 says that his divine nature has given you everything you need to live a godly life. And we're starting to kind of get rid of excuses now. If he is in me and that, that, that gives me the ability to, to not sin anymore, and if his power is in me to live a godly life, then I'm starting to realize I might just be the righteousness of Jesus. I might just have what it takes because I have him. And I stop figuring out how and I start answering to who. I stop asking myself, well, how can I be this? And what do I do? And, and I just start getting on my knees before the Lord. And I say, yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. I have you. I don't know the answers at work, but you do. I don't have the answers in my marriage, but you do. I don't have the answers with the strangers when they ask me the questions that I don't know, but you do. We start answering the question, who? We just point our feet to Jesus. Point our feet to Jesus. <laughs> Point our feet to Jesus. I said it again. Dig it. Point our hands to Jesus. <laughs> wow, that was hard. Um, just stand like this just to remind me for the rest of the time. <laughs> you guys are funny. Second Corinthians 5.17, you guys have heard it uh, uh, a thousand times, I'm sure. But it says that if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ then, he, then the old has been remodeled. Yeah. Who said that? Come on. Thank you. That's not what it says. If anyone is in Christ, then the old has got a paint job. No. It says that if, the, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. And, and Peter used the analogy um, this morning. Uh, it's not like these short shoes wore out and so I got a new pair of shoes. That's not the kind of new. That's not what the word means. A whole new never seen before creation. Because never before did the spirit of God dwell inside a man. You, you ever heard like people say like, man, when I get to heaven, I'm totally asking Moses some questions. I bet you Moses would be like, cool, I'll answer those in a second. Could you be quiet for a minute? What was it like to have God inside of you? I never had that. What was that like? The power of God lived in you? What was that like? I wonder what some of our answers would be just right now. Mine? I'd like to work on that. I just really want to get rid of excuses. Look, I live in reality, too. We have free will, right? Galatians 5.1 is for freedom's sake that Christ sets you free, so do not be burdened by the yoke of slavery. We have all the freedom. So we have the capacity to do it right or wrong. And so we need him so desperately every moment 
of every day, Lord, I need you. Your divine power has given me everything I need to live a godly life. Not my understanding of your word, Lord, has really helped me a lot. It's his divine power that I lean on at every point. Anybody, anybody read When Heaven Invades Earth? Yeah, good book, right? Um, one, of my, one of my favorite uh, um, parts that it talks about is towards the beginning when, when Bill is talking about the characteristics of the human existence and the characteristics of, of the existence of Christ. And he, he said that, that Jesus, the characteristics of his human life was that he had no sin that separated him from the Father. And number two, that he was completely dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit at all times. Then it said that the human existence, the characteristics of it are that um, we have sin and so we are separated from the Father. But his blood um, washed that away and cleansed us and made us pure so that now we have right standing with the Lord so that we can actually approach him. So now we have one, the first thing in common with the Lord. We have the first thing in common with Jesus that we can both approach the Father. So then the only unsettled issue is how, will, how willing are you to live your life dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit? And that, again, is on our knees. It's not in our answers to our coworkers. It's on our knees. That's where it exists. I want to see Jesus get everything he paid for. And he paid for you to live out in righteousness. Because he died for you and as you. So that you could live like him. But it's hard. I know. Me too. But when I wake up, Lord, I need you. I can't. I can't. You can. I have another quick little story for you. I had a, a student call me just a few days ago and, and had a, a decision that he really needed to make and it was kind of funny because I've kind of just been in this season of like, you know, Lord, no matter what I do, no matter how great I preach or how terrible I preach, if you don't show up, I fall short. I need you. It's only your glory. I need your glory. I need you, Jesus. And, and so a lot of times um, he, he's called me many times in the past and we try to work through together through some things. And, and, he, and I told him, I was like, hey, dude, I've just kind of realized that I don't have all the answers <laughs> In 29 years, and I'm like, I finally figured out I don't have all the answers. Um, and uh, I was like, you know, but I, I know who does, and so let's just do that. And, and so we prayed, um, and I had, what I had him do was like, you know, hold out your hands and, and put one decision in one hand, the other decision in the other hand, and we're just going to wait for the peace of God to fall. And, and I, we waited for maybe a minute or so, and all of a sudden I hear him weeping on the phone, and all he says is, why is my right hand so heavy? And I was like, we asked for his peace to fall. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, which decision was in my right hand? <laughs> and, um, and so I told him how we, how, how we had labeled it and stuff. And he's like, okay, I know what to do. And, and it, it was that simple. And a lot of times you hear, well, it's not easy. Yes, it is. Because he did all the work. He said, it's finished. Well, so then what do I have to do? It's finished. It's done. So now we just get to participate. We don't need to calculate and formulate. We just participate. God told me just a few weeks ago, he goes, Eric, you know, you know the, the term solve for X, right? You're like, oh, please don't talk about algebra. <laughs> um, it's a flashbacks. Um, but solve for X, right? And God's like, Eric, you're, the, you're X. You're the value for X. 
So when you step into the room, you suddenly provide the ability for answers to be understood. So when you go to work, you're the answer because God's using you, because he lives inside of you. In your marriage, with your kids, with the strangers, whatever it looks like for you, you just plug yourself right on into the equation, and you're like, I don't really know what all the rest of it means, but come on, Jesus, help me. And you show up, and all of a sudden you start getting the downloads of his wisdom, and that starts to look pretty good because that's what the answers that people have been looking for. And sometimes you say things out of your own experience and things that you know and, and the wisdom that he's given you, and sometimes stuff comes out of your mouth and you're like, I did not know that until now. Either way, God gets the glory. And we start taking, like Peter said, we don't have the pressure on us. The pressure's on him. Because his burden is easy and his yoke is light. So anytime you feel heaviness, it's not him. Anytime it feels hard, it's not him. His word never returns void. And I'm, I'm feeling like for tonight that there's some things that, that God's wanting to do. And I really want to focus on, on the peace that I talked about. There's something in there that I really feel like some of you have some decisions that you're really needing to make or wanting to make or directions that you're thinking about going. And you, and you really just need the Lord to, to speak to you. And I, and I believe that as you hold out your hands, literally his peace is going to fall and he's going to start giving you answers. And if you want prayer just with, with some of our team with that and stuff, that's totally cool. But even if as you just sit there, I believe that the Lord's just going to start to, to one of your arms be like, why is my arm so heavy? Oh, yeah. It was so funny. He's like, why is my arm heavy? Like, Dude, we, it was 30 seconds ago. Um, anyway, sorry. Squirrel. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to invite our team up here real quick. Um, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to open up for some ministry time right now. And so this is, this is a great opportunity just to, to stand with some of your brothers and sisters who um, love you, who care about you, who have been praying with you for months, who, who have, I was supposed to go to China, not, not Boise, Idaho. But I was wrong. Because being here, so cool. This town, it's, it's a lot like Colorado. It's beautiful. That's where I'm from. Did I say that? I don't know. Maybe. I'm from Colorado. But God is doing something amazing here. And, and in fact, I'm a little bit jealous of the name of Treasure Valley because Redding has been called Poverty Flats for a long time. So I kind of want to steal your name. God is up to something amazing here. And, and here's something um, I'm, I'm this. You have to hear me out on this a little bit. Um, I don't believe the church was meant to change society. I think business and the arts change society. How many people are in business? Or not own a business, just working somewhere. Okay. I'm concerned about how many people are not working. <laughs> um. <laughs> how many people have a job? Okay, okay, cool. That's awesome. That's, that's okay. That's great. Um, I don't have a job right now, so it's totally fine. Um, how many people are in the arts at all? A little bit. Cool, awesome. That's, that's where you change society. Church, 
is, is about us coming together to share the testimonies of the goodness of God throughout our week together as we fellowship and we worship him and we learn from the amazing people that he's anointed to understand the word of the Lord that can speak wisdom and, and into our life and, and give us new perspectives and stuff. So church was meant to change people and for the body of Christ to come together. And then as we go out into the world, that's where we affect everything. That's where we start having a huge influence. That's where, that's where the supply and demand, you know, the, the, the supply is not going to change until the demand does. And you, as you go out into your workplace, I think there's something huge on that. As you go out and you start and you're praying over all the pencils, all the pens that everybody's using, whatever it is. I don't know what you do. Um, Whatever it is, you're praying over everything and stuff, and the atmosphere starts to shift, and things start to change, and people start to ask questions, and why do, you, why do you live the way that you live? Why are you so joyful all the time? And you're just like, oh, I'm not joyful all the time. Look at Jesus. He is. He's joyful all the time. That doesn't make every situation easy. It just means that we get to be like Peter in our life all the time. The wind and the waves are real. He's just walking on water. We got to stop pretending like the wind and the waves aren't real. They're real. He was just separated from them. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It's a whole nother message. But man, he wants to do something amazing in you guys tonight. He wants to release something into you tonight. So again, if there's decisions that are needing to be made, um, I believe that God has answers. If there's healings, we've seen, we saw a lot of healings on Friday night, like, I don't know, 50 plus-ish, something like that, healings. Friday night, we saw 50 plus healings. Okay, all right. It was just like, beep. Okay, we're alive, we're back, here we go. Um we saw like 50 plus healings. Why? Because, and I think it was like 35 of them before we even started praying. Just through the word, just because God is good and he's in a good mood and he loves us all the time. So if you need healing for something, you want to stand in the gap for somebody for healing. That's what he wants to do because he loves you so stinking much. Because he's willing, not just able, he's willing. Whatever it is, if you just want someone to partner with you in prayer for something, that's why we came to Boise, Idaho, was to encourage the body of Christ, to preach the gospel of the good news of peace, and to be with you, to partner with you in the things that you want to see happen in, in Treasure Valley, the things you want to see happen in your families, and the things you want to see happen at your workplaces. We're here to partner with you in all of that. I love you guys. That's all I got. Thanks for listening to the Riverhouse podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.